You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas is continuing his series on Old Testament characters, now looking at the life of Deborah. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. This is Old Testament Premium Podcast number 21 on Deborah. Greetings from Atlanta. Today's character, uh, Deborah, is actually pronounced Devorah in Hebrew. And the meaning of Devorah is bee, as in the insect. It's a popular name in modern society, along with other biblical names such as Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, Mary, Priscilla, Joanna, and so forth. She's mentioned only nine times in the Bible, that is, in Judges chapters 4 and 5, if we don't include the other Deborah, who's the nurse of Rebecca, back in Genesis 35. We're now in the period of the judges, colorful figures amidst a time of chaos, such well-known leaders as Samson, Jephthah, and Gideon. The judges overlapped in their rule. They didn't necessarily lead all the tribes at one time, and they overlapped even in terms of time. So it's very difficult to lay their reigns, if we can use that word, end-to-end for chronological purposes. In the series of podcasts, we're just going to focus on three of the judges. Today, Deborah, and then later, Gideon, and also Samson. That is, Judges numbers 4, 5, and 12. Out of the 12 judges, Deborah is number four. Well, the first is Othniel, tribe of Judah. The second is Ehud, from Benjamin. Then we have Shamgar, from Levi. And then we have Deborah, who we'll look at today. There's Gideon, from Manasseh, Tola, from Issachar, Jair, and Jephthah, and Ibzan, and Elon, and Abdon. And the last one, from the tribe of Dan, is Samson. I'll be reading today from the Revised Standard Version. I'm in Judges chapter 4. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Haroshet Hagoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly twenty years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidot, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. Here we meet our character. She's leading or judging Israel. She has a husband, Lapidot, Though none of her children is mentioned, perhaps she had no children. Though, as we will see, she was at the very least a mother to Israel. In addition, she had a gift of prophecy. And she sat under what came to be known as the palm of Deborah to decide the cases among Israelites, to give rulings, to share wisdom. And in this respect, she reminds us of Moses in Exodus 18. I'll continue now in verse 6. 
She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take possession of Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and tribe of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Interestingly, she gives a command to Barak by the Spirit of God. This presumably is an example of her prophetic gift. The Lord wants to do something great for and among his people. And Barak is the general she summons. Nearly every time in the Bible, God does something. He does it through other people. And so we have to be sensitive and alert. What is God saying to us? Here's Barak's response, verse 8. If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 warriors went up behind him, and Deborah went up with him. Well, whatever his reasons, and we're not told what they were, Barak did not think it best to engage in battle without Deborah. He wanted there with him. Maybe there was a political reason. Perhaps there was a failing in his character. It's really too difficult to judge from the text. She had said that she would lure uh, the Canaanite king out, perhaps because he realized that uh, the leader was a woman. Who knows? Maybe it's a kind of faint. And then uh, uh, he, she lures out the Canaanite king, and then Barak closes in, kind of a pincer operation, as we saw with the uh, battle of Ai. We just don't know. But the glory will go to a woman. So says Deborah. Now, there are two ironies here. The first irony is that the reader might well think it's Deborah who's going to get the glory. But in fact, it's Jael. Jael, the woman who um, uh, uh, <laughs> brings the commander into her tent, he falls asleep, and I think you've read the grisly ending of it all. The second irony emerges when we get to the New Testament in Hebrews 11. And I'd like to read verses 32 to 34. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped to the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Here, as you've noticed, Deborah is not mentioned, only Barak. Perhaps she's implied in verse 33 as one who administered justice. But Barak is the one who gets the glory. This tells me we should be careful uh, without explicit comment by biblical writers uh, before we, we make comments on people's character. Um, often I've heard and I've read that Barak uh, struggled with cowardice and uh, he was a weak man, he didn't really have faith, and that's why Deborah had to step up and do the job. Well, maybe that's true, but you cannot get that from the text. And if all you had to go on was Hebrews 11, you would certainly think that Barak was the hero and Deborah 
there is uh, some, she's more in the background. The Bible is rich in irony, in reversals, and in paradox. Well, those are the two ironies. The familiar battle scene unfolds in verses 11 to 13. And then in Judges 4.14, I continue. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day on which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. The Lord is indeed going out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 warriors following him. And the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and his army, all his army, into a panic before Barak. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot, while Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Haroshet Hagoyim. All the army of Sisera fell by the sword. No one was left. As happened many times in, um, in battle scenes in the Old Testament, there's a panic, a, a divine panic, uh, where the, the enemy totally uh, loses uh, all judgment and, and sense even of the actual numbers and odds. And uh, in, in this panic, uh, Sisera flees. Sisera then enters what he believes is a safe place, but not so. Jael, a woman, is the one who kills him. If you've never read Judges, be sure to read all of chapter 4, then go back and read the whole book. You can do that easily in a couple of sittings. Well, after the battle scene of chapter 4, the victory is commemorated in song in chapter 5. Here, there are certain parallels with the song of Moses. In Exodus 14, we have the great deliverance through the Red Sea, or the Sea of Reeds. And in Exodus 15, we have a poetic version of the same story, a song. Here, we have the battle in Judges 14. We have the lyrical uh, description in uh, Judges uh, 5. I hope I said Judges 4 and then Judges 5. Deborah, in other words, is a female Moses. She's using her prophetic gift. Often in the Bible, musical talent and prophecy are connected. Well, we won't read the entire song in Judges 5, just the beginning. And it seems that she and Barak have collaborated on the lyrics. I'm going to begin in verse 2. When locks are long in Israel, when the people offer themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. To the Lord I sing, I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured, the clouds indeed poured water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anat, in the days of Jael, caravans ceased and travelers kept to the byways. The peasantry prospered in Israel. They grew flat on uh, flat. <laughs> They grew fat on plunder. Because you arose, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. And then near the end, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake. Utter a song. Arise, Barak. Lead away your captives, O son of Abinon. Well, what can we learn from Deborah? Some people are multiply gifted. Now, we know from the New Testament... Uh, for example, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. In fact, we just know from observation that everyone brings something to the table. Everyone's got a gift. And uh, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. They're not exactly the same as gifts, though probably a gift is at the, the strong end of the continuum. 
Some people have multiple strong gifts. And here Deborah is a leader. Uh, she's a, an administrator of justice. She is a uh, uh, one who has a talent in music, and she has a gift of prophecy. So she has leadership, prophecy, and musical or poetical talent. Women may normally serve in different roles than men. And uh, we, that's obvious as we look at social nature. But that in no way, in no way means that women are inferior to men. Galatians 3 is a favorite verse uh, by, uh, by feminists and chauvinists alike. Uh, let me read, though, Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Some would say, well, uh, we're all one in Christ, but all those distinctions remain. And uh, patriarchy is fine, and women need to stay in the kitchen in their place. I don't personally see how you can read Paul's letters, especially Paul, or even read about his ministry in Acts, and support uh, what we would call a chauvinistic interpretation. On the other hand, sometimes people who are very liberal in their views will read this, and they'll say, there's no male or female, therefore anything a man can do, a woman can do, and vice versa... And I'm not really sure that's true either. Certainly not in life. There, there are many things that are much, uh, many roles and jobs are much better suited to men than women. And many are better suited to women than to men. I think the point of Galatians 3 is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. When he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, he doesn't say that uh, we, we really all have the same religious background. Paul, Paul actually would deny that in 1 Corinthians 9. He became a Jew to the Jew, a Greek to the Greek. Uh, there's no, when he says there's no slave or free, he doesn't mean that one day the, the slave can say, okay, master, today I'll be the master, you be the slave. Uh, it, it wasn't that way. Slaves had to keep in their place, gain their freedom if they could, 1 Corinthians 7. But uh, equality in Christ in no way meant equality socially. Same with male or female. Uh, our roles may be complementary, but they're not identical. And so Galatians 3 um, doesn't give much comfort to those who want to prove that, that uh, women should be preachers in the church. That's always the hot issue, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Corinthians 4, 14. On the other hand, it does show that in the sight of God, everyone is special. And uh, no distinctions exist in terms of salvation. Well, a woman can serve in a higher role than her husband. Maybe that's one more thing we see about Deborah because Lapidot is not the one uh, leading the tribes of Israel. Whether this is less than ideal, however, is not stated. Is it ideal that, that a woman is a high power and her husband is under-functioning or doing less? I don't think we can really legislate on that. We learn a lot from Deborah, even though... She's only uh, in Judges 4 and then again uh, poetically in chapter 5. Well, what do we learn about God? This is really the, the heart of the lesson. First, and I'm going to read some scripture here. First, God raises up leaders in times of distress and repentance. Judges 2.11 and following. The Israelites did evil before the Lord by worshiping the Baals. They abandoned the Lord God of their ancestors who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods the gods of the nations who lived around them. They worshipped them and made the Lord angry. They abandoned the Lord and worshipped Baal and the Ashtars. The Lord was furious with Israel and handed them over to robbers who plundered them. 
he turned them over to their enemies who lived around them. They could not withstand their enemies' attacks. Whenever they went out to fight, the Lord did them harm, just as he had warned and solemnly vowed he would do. They suffered greatly. The Lord raised up leaders who delivered them from these robbers, but they did not obey their leaders. Instead, they prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned aside from the path their ancestors walked. Their ancestors obeyed the Lord's commands, but they did not. When the Lord raised up leaders for them, the Lord was with, was with each leader and delivered the people from their enemies while the leader remained alive. The Lord felt sorry for them when they cried out in agony because of what their harsh oppressors did to them. When a leader died, the next generation would act more wickedly than the previous one. That was Judges 2, 11 to 19a, and that was in the NET version. You can see the pattern. In fact, this is the cycle of Judges. Uh, there's, a, there's apostasy, there's distress, there's the raising up of a leader, there's deliverance, and then the cycle's repeated all over again. God raises up leaders in times of distress and repentance. I must ask myself, do I see the part I need to play? Do I see where I fit into this cycle? Into the cycle, of first, personally, at the, uh, at the individual level, when God has been good to me, I know that that's a potential time of weakness or temptation. When, when I feel a, a great victory or a great deliverance, that's when it's, it's easy to forget the Lord. And then we know what happens. Uh, we, we slide. We crash. And then the cycle repeats. Well, I don't think that's meant to be a normative cycle in the Christian life. Romans 7 is common experience, but Romans 7 is not what we're called to. We're actually called to Romans 8. Well, on the other hand, moving away from the psychological application of this passage, what about the community of faith of which I'm part? If God raises up leaders in dire times, am I holding back? Does God need me to volunteer, to step up, to do something I've never done before? Or maybe I've done in the past, but I'm not doing anymore. We all have a part to play. Now, just a side note. When God does raise up leadership, this leadership will not be perfect, but it's leadership all the same. Deborah emerges as one of the best leaders and judges, perhaps if only because her weaknesses don't seem to have been recorded. I'm sure she had some. We just don't read about them. So God raises up leaders in times of distress and repentance. Secondly, God cares about our pain, even when it's self-inflicted. it's easy to say, oh, I have compassion on this person. He's down on his luck. Things are not good. But how about compassion when someone is suffering because of his own sin? Most suffering that I go through is self-inflicted. Who who inflicted it on me? I did. Most of it is self-inflicted. And sometimes we have a lot less compassion. Someone doesn't take our advice and... and, uh, Our advice happened to be right, and then that guy ends up uh, in distress. Uh, The natural tendency is to hold our, kind of of, uh, keep aloof or say, I told you so. Well, maybe there needs to be a certain distance, and maybe we need to state the lesson in words. But what about the heart of compassion? Because in the book of Judges, even though the people are clearly at fault multiple times, God eventually gives in, just as he did back in the Exodus 
the cry goes up to heaven. And so here's a, here's a great point about compassion. At any rate, God cares about our pain even when it's self-inflicted. And third, if it suits his purpose, he can use women just as well as men. We see this twice in our account with Deborah and with Jael. Probably it is overstating to conclude that when men don't or won't lead, then God raises up women. Though this may well be true, we aren't given enough information in the passage to prove that thesis. We do know from 2 Timothy 2.21 that though we serve in different ways, the purity of the vessel is even more important than the type of vessel. God looks at the heart. This is not to say anyone can be anything he or she wants to be. Rather, that how far we go has much to do with the moral condition of our heart. Let me just review those key lessons about God. Of course, uh, we have suggestions for further study um, uh, and the key verses and the part for children. But what do we learn about God? One, God raises up leaders in times of distress and repentance. Two, God cares about our pain even when it's self-inflicted. Amazing. And third, if it suits his purposes, he uses women just as well as men. I hope you've learned something from our short study of Deborah. And next time we'll be moving on to another judge, the judge who followed her. His name is Gideon. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on Deborah. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. If this podcast has helped you or has encouraged you, please be sure to leave us a review or a comment below in whatever podcast application you're using. This helps spread the word of this teaching ministry and what Douglas is doing with this podcast. Thank you so much again for listening.